Episode 5, Sonic Sequels. This is... Press P to cancel. Welcome to Press B to Cancel. The most professional podcast around. Yes. Today we are going to be talking about, on Press B to Cancel, Sonic 2 and Sonic CD, the follow-ups to the original Sonic the Hedgehog, and how they sort of came to be, and why they differ. So uh, let's, let's, let's go around and introduce ourselves again. Let's go ahead and start with uh, GP. Well, hello. My name is Guy Prime from The Retro Therapy. And then let's move on to Paul 109. Hi, I'm Paul Schwedo 9 from The Retro Therapy. Wait. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> I'm just Paul. And then let's head off over to uh, Jake. Hi, I'm Sick Jake, and I am in therapy. <laughs> <laughs> well, after, uh, after a week of Sonic the Hedgehog, you might be. So uh, let's go ahead and start the conversation off with a uh, little bit about Sonic the Hedgehog. Sonic the Hedgehog was created uh, by Sega as a rival to Mario because Alex Kidd just wasn't cutting it. They felt Alex Kidd was a little too samey to Mario and they wanted something a little bit more uh, game-changing, I guess. They went with a contest at Sega to come up with a new mascot for Sega and the front runners ended up being a rabbit. Uh... <laughs> A Teddy Roosevelt look-alike, sporting pajamas, <laughs> and a hedgehog called Mr. Needlemouse. Mr. Needlemouse eventually was, uh, with a little help from Sega of America, because they had just brought someone in to uh, help rebrand and bring the brand to the forefront along with Nintendo, became known as Sonic. They turned him blue. They gave him attitude. They basically made him quintessential... 1990. <laughs> Were you serious about the Teddy Roosevelt thing? Yes, he's often described as Teddy Roosevelt. He later became Robotnik, or Eggman. Oh. Okay. I've, I've seen the early drawings, and they, it's silly, but it's Eggman. Wow. There's, a, there's an alternate universe where Teddy Roosevelt won out in that conversation, and generations of children are more educated in history because of it. <laughs> Instead of going to go fast, it's got to go to war. Oh, <laughs> oh God. wow! Sorry. Moving on. So, uh, with the <laughs> massive success of Sonic the Hedgehog, at least in North America, it didn't do all that great in Japan. It was very middling in terms of sales, even though it was well reviewed and well received. In North America, it sold millions of copies and did great. So. Sega was like, yes, let's make another one. With Sega CD on the horizon, uh, Yuji Naka had left Sega of Japan after some disagreements on uh, how Sega Japan handled development. And Sega of America offered him another job, paying him more, giving him more creative freedom, and having him make Sonic 2. Since uh, Sega of America was heading up development for Sonic 2, Sega of Japan decided with Sega CD on the horizon... They wanted a beefed-up version of Sonic 2 for the Sega CD. Uh, over time, 
Sega America and Sega Japan were both leading these teams differently. Essentially, the the two people in charge of the first Sonic were each running different teams. Yuji Naka was heading up Sonic 2, while Oshima was heading up Sonic CD, which at the time was not called Sonic CD. It was just supposed to be a beefier version of Sonic 2 that showed off the Sega CD's capabilities a lot better. Would you say beefier or more chili dog? Aha! Well, if you're going for all beef chili dogs... I mean, you're basically looking at regular chili dogs versus all beef chili dogs at Wienerschnitzel, right? I don't know. I just want a chili dog now, now though, so. <laughs> I'm sorry. Continue. Not a problem. So, uh, <laughs> over time, the projects kind of diverged. There was more pressure on Sonic 2's team to deliver than there was on Sonic CD's team. Because Sonic 2 was a numbered sequel, whereas over time, Sonic CD had become its own project rather than Sonic 2 souped up. Sonic 2 released in 1992, which was, uh, it was going to release globally on the same day. It was the first game advertised as having a street date. They wanted it to release on the same day everywhere. For whatever reason, Sega Japan released it two or three days earlier than everywhere else. Go figure. But uh, in North America and Europe, it released on what was called Sonic Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) Sonic 1 was 91 in North America? I believe so. That's, That's a very short turnaround between sequels. And actually, Sonic 2 started development two months later than Sega of America had wanted it to. Sega Japan thought they were going to start development too soon. And Sega of America... There was a lot of uh, a lot of push and pull between Sega of Japan and America. And partly that's because of who they put in charge and what they promised him he could do. And in doing so, he definitely turned Sega of America around... But management styles differed greatly, and so there was butting heads a little bit. Anyway, uh, Sonic 2 released to, I'm pretty sure, mostly very positive reviews. It, it upped the ante on just about everything from the first Sonic the Hedgehog. First off, you had a second character. You had Tails, or Miles Prower. Oh! As, uh, oh, I forgot it was Miles, yes. Yes, his name was Miles Prower, and the team that developed him was so excited that they they had made a pun name for the character. <laughs> it's, it's so bad. I hate tails. I hate tails. The the double tail, the the, the punny name. He, he you're if he follows Sonic around, he hits spikes constantly and dies. I can't stand him. He's like worse than Luigi. Oh, wow. <laughs> like Luigi I'll call the lesser Mario. Tails, I don't even want to acknowledge his existence. I can't stand him. I much prefer Knuckles. Well, I'm pretty sure Tails was supposed to be seven years old in the original Sonic 2. And I don't know if he's aged much over the, the decades, but I think he was seven when he first joined the franchise. That Bart Simpson syndrome. I, I also find it interesting that in the years since, he doesn't seem like he's aged too much, but he's definitely so much smarter than the rest of them. <laughs> <laughs> so he's he's this kid genius. Who makes airplanes and robots and all these things, but Eggman is the threat? I'm still confused. Is always Robotnik in my head. When when did it become Robotnik versus Eggman? So since the beginning, 
he's been Robotnik in the in North America in, in to Western audiences, and Eggman in Japan, and that's okay. because in coming to America he was renamed as Robotnik because it sounded more menacing than Eggman. Yeah, I'm gonna agree there. <laughs> So, Sonic 2 really stepped things up. It made the gameplay faster than the first one. Interestingly enough, Sonic's, the original Sonic the Hedgehog's gameplay was, I think, slowed down from its original iteration. So the fact that Sonic 2 got to, pardon me, Sonic 2 got to speed things up again was a nice change of pace and a, and a nice follow-up to the first game. Because the first game had you wandering and exploring and all this, and no matter how fast you went, it never felt like it was hauling ass, as it were. It was definitely faster than Mario, but not a whole lot. Whereas Sonic 2, I mean, the screen was just... Some of the locations would just practically flicker by. And then even then, while you were going that fast, Sonic would leave the screen. They were really showcasing that blast processing at that point. (laughs) Which was entirely a marketing ploy, by the way. (laughs) It worked. Blast processing was nothing real. It did work, though. This This is a thing about Sega of America in the 90s. They really knew how to stand out even though they technically had inferior hardware to the super nintendo you mentioned going like how compared to sonic 1 sonic 2 you is much faster paced gameplay but it also seems like a lot of the sonic games still have those moments where it relies more on the platforming elements which is like the weakest part of that sonic series and like i remember specifically for two i think it's chemical chemical something zone chemical plant. where you're the underwater section and there's those square blocks platforms that are moving up and down and if you get pinched between the wall and the blocks, you die instantly. I hate that section so much. And it really <laughs> highlights how the slow parts of Sonic are the worst parts. That might work against the game to a degree, I'll admit. But it also showcases just how fast he goes when you actually do get to go fast. And I know there are people out there who argue that the Sonic franchise is a game that leads the player into thinking you're going fast, but you usually have to go slow so as not to just get decimated by the villains you know and in some cases that's true usually the first level is like yeah go fast and then everything after that is wait 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 take your time figure out what you're doing (laughs) yeah that's that's exactly how i play it because otherwise i get i get dead pretty quick and the further into sonic 2 even though it was faster uh, the the more that rears its head with a few exceptions with each new zone you get less permission to go fast, and you really have to pay attention to the level design instead. And that's where upping the speed from the first game really hurts it, because now you can go faster, but you shouldn't. And I think Oil Ocean Zone was really uh, yes where that came to a head with that game, if not Mystic Cave just before it. The Oil Zone is another one where there are these uh, platforms on top of flames that pop up, and it's another situation where if you get kind of wedged underneath the platform and it lands on you, you die instantly. And again, it's just it's one of those where it's just too janky. And I wish those didn't exist in the Sonic series. <laughs> Tell me how you really feel. I actually like the game. <laughs> I know that's surprising, <laughs> but I do. See, I've never been a fan of Sonic, really. I, I mean, I liked uh, Sonic 2 when it first came out because you could play Tails. And I like Tails just for the fact that it was more forgiving because, you know, you could do that little float, you know, you could spin around, save your ass, and I needed that. But otherwise, I, I can't... I wouldn't be able to tell you which which one is which unless I see uh, Sonic or 
a Sonic with uh, tails following him around or with knuckles around, something like that. That's that's the only indicators for me. I was just not a fan. I was terrible at these games. So uh, how about you, GP? What was your experience with Sonic 2, if any? Oh, no, um, my, my brother, when the Super Nintendo came out, my brother and I kind of fought over that. So my, my brother ended up getting a Sega Genesis. And I watched more Sonic than I played it until getting a Game Gear. And one of the few Game Gear games that I had was like the Sonic collection that had, you know, one and two on it. So my experience with that is <laughs> I played it as much as I could. And to me, the things that I will always love about the Sonic franchise as a whole really don't have anything to do with the staples of the franchise, the going fast or any of that. Um, I, I love the sounds. I think the Sonic noises are some of the most iconic. You know, right now, there's a Sonic the Hedgehog live-action movie that's coming out, and the only part of the trailers I really enjoyed were the things where you heard him do the spinball noise and shit like that. So that I, I love the sounds of that. Every time I hear somebody go, Sega, the first thing in my mind after that is the opening music to Sonic 2. You know, bum, 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 bum. Anyway, that's kind of my... I have, a, I have a, a warm spot in my heart for Sonic. But other than the casino stages and trying like the Dickens to become supersonic, I never really dove too deep into it. I love, love, love the casino stage. I spent more hours of my life on those stages than I care to admit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, other than that, just trying hard to, to collect all the Chaos Emeralds. Um, I really watched that game more than I ever played it. But those casino levels is what end up leading into Sonic Spinball. Nintendo America wanted those casino levels kind of in their own standalone game, and that's that's that's, that's how the abomination that is Spinball came to be. I actually didn't know that. I didn't know that. That's cool. And Jake, how about your experience with Sonic Two? This is one where I actually didn't play it until later in life. Uh, I had Sonic One as a kid. I was a Genesis kid growing up. Maybe not by choice. Uh, I always wanted that Super Nintendo, but I didn't get it. But I didn't play Sonic 2 until uh, my uncle subscribed to Sega Channel, which is the add-on for the Genesis to let you download games over your cable cable TV line. And that's why I played a bunch of Genesis games I had never in the past, including Sonic 2. And uh, I love it. I think it's great. From the music to the stage design, they added the, the spinball maneuver. Like, There's a lot of things about the game that definitely improved over the original. And I think it's fantastic. I love that game. Well, and, and to that point, I agree. I think the leaps that they made between Sonic 1 and 2 uh, are tremendous. Sonic 1 was enjoyable. 2 is truly a an iconic game um, that, that heads and shoulders above the first one. I will agree. Sonic 2 really does... It, it's aged a lot better than Sonic 1. Yes. And I credit Tails. Miles Prower. I, I think he is the, the key to all of it. <laughs> <laughs> You're a monster. <laughs> you know what? I I think little brothers everywhere rejoiced at the existence of Tails. Well, I was an only child growing up, so. But I, I would like to say that one of the things that I think is a light years ahead of Sonic One, and even in compared to other future entries in the series, is the bonus levels. The Sonic Two bonus levels with the half pipe, collecting the rings, dodging those mines. I think it's fantastic. I love that bonus stage. Yeah, that was my favorite part about any Sonic game was always the bonus stages, and that one was just like, ooh. Music was really catchy as well. Well, then, to the point we were talking about earlier, with the it it's so awesome to have the ability to go fast, but eventually it bites you in the butt if you go too fast in certain stages. Again, becoming that supersonic character 
which is a, a blatant rip, I think, or inspiration from Dragon Ball Z, the Super Saiyans, and all that. You have no choice at that point but to go fast. You 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 are stopped, or you are going a thousand miles an hour. So it's just it's that age-old question for the maturity of children. You have the ability, but should you do it? You know what I mean? And I think the more mature players are like, no, the supersonic is really a hindrance in this game. But then, you know, the 10-year-old in me is like, do it. <laughs> well, I think, uh, first off, I do believe that it has been openly admitted by the developers that Son- Supersonic was inspired by Super Saiyan form and Dragon Ball. As far as Supersonic's pacing goes, I do think he lets you get a little bit more... Uh, carefree with your playstyle when you're playing Sonic 2, but not an extraordinary amount because Mystic Cave Zone, and I'm going back to memories here from when I first played this game, like little, I don't know, seven, eight-year-old me, something like that. I would get stuck in pits because I didn't wait for, I didn't, I'd miss jumping on the little lever to pull the bridge down so that way you could cross the pit. So instead, I'd be stuck down in the bottom of the pit as Supersonic standing on some spikes until I died because he couldn't jump high enough to get out. <laughs> so that's that's that was agonizing, things like that. And I don't know if that was on purpose or if they hadn't really factored in how people would rip through the levels of Supersonic. I wonder how they figure like how often people actually gain the Supersonic ability. Because he was unlocked, and it wasn't easy necessarily to get him. You had to get the, the, the cast emeralds from each of the bonus stages, and there's, what, seven or eight of those? So you, I mean, at earliest, you might be able to get him in stage or stage three, I want to say. And it, it was a lot of work to do so. You could actually have Supersonic, because I've done it numerous times. You could have Supersonic before you even fought Robotnik for the first time. Wait, really? How many times yep. can you enter the bonus levels? As long as you hit the posts in order from left to right, and you have 50 rings each time you hit a post, you can jump into a special stage. Oh, wow. Okay, that's different than three. All right. In uh, most Sonic games, you get one bonus stage per level, or a special right. stage per level. But in Sonic 2, it was a special stage after every time you passed a lamppost further into the level with 50 rings. And I do believe there are seven or eight lampposts in those first few stages. So I, I, <laughs> I played that game so much, I made it a point of getting Supersonic before I ever fought Robotnik the first time. And then... The game was would be a breeze for a while. <laughs> Just out of curiosity, do you guys have any experience with Sonic CD personally? No. I remember renting it once when we had it, because I, I, the only game I had for Sega CD was Sewer Shark. And, you know, that's everybody's favorite game on Sega <laughs> CD. So, yeah, Sonic CD was probably one of the only games I remember actually renting for Sega CD, because there was a very limited catalog of games that I had like available to me and i was just like this is so cool but you know with most sega cd games if it wasn't one of those fmv games you know full motion video games then i i didn't see why this couldn't be on genesis i was like this is cool but i mean back then i was just like oh it's on sega cd so it's better (laughs) yeah it's automatically better well, to point out the difference in game size, uh, the Sega CD didn't really up the ante in terms of how Sonic played. It instead upped it in presentation. The levels were far more colorful. The music was streamed off of the disc rather than being data stored on it. 
But even then, uh, I do believe the Sonic the Hedgehog or Sonic the Hedgehog 2 game was, I want to say, one or two megabytes in size. Sonic CD was 21. Wow. So <laughs> we think about that now and it's like, really, that's it? But at the time, that was a massive game. I was about to say, yeah, to go from one to twenty-one is that's one hell of a jump. Yeah, and is the that levels just graphics, or does that include the music? No, that doesn't include the music. That's okay. that's all the data stored in the game. In some case, images. In some case, I do believe that includes the FMVs, but I'm not certain. But even then, the levels were massive. When you consider that, you know, a, a stage in Sonic Two was pretty big. Each stage in Sonic CD was probably about as big as or bigger than the Sonic 2 levels. And then there were four iterations of each one because it it had you time traveling. Yeah, you start in the present. In any given stage, you start what is con- what in what is considered the present. Through the level, you can manage to go your way into the past or into the future. Now, if you go into the future, you're going to see what is essentially a really crappy future for this little planet that Sonic CD takes place on. If you go into the past, you can rectify that to the point of getting rid of all enemies in the level. And then it essentially, uh, what's the word, sterilizes the stage. So that way you don't have any enemies in the present or in the future. But it also gives you a different level layout for the future. That's super cool. But there's not much to be gained by going into the good future version of the stage. In fact, I do believe there are some stages where I got stuck going into the good future and I would have to go to the the present in order to find my way through the level. Yeah, same. I don't know if that was just me being bad at the game and not realizing where the path was or what, but I timed out a few times in a good future stage with no enemies, just not being able to navigate the level properly. But uh, the time travel was inspired by... And I think the time travel was originally going to be in Sonic 2, and that got scrapped. And that's where the the project started to diverge a little bit. So, as I said earlier, Sonic 2 was going to be a souped-up... Or Sonic CD was going to be a souped-up Sonic 2. Uh, But over time, it almost turned into what was essentially Sonic the Hedgehog Special Edition. It was a reimagining of the first Sonic the Hedgehog in a lot of ways. So, not, not to be too meta with this... But would you say when the development of the two games uh, split, <laughs> Sonic CD rewrote the past to become a better or a little bit maybe more sterile future? Like, essentially, Sonic CD did exactly in real life what the game does? <laughs> Guys, the mushrooms have kicked in. <laughs> no, that's Mario. Wrong franchise. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sorry. The rings have kicked in. <laughs> <laughs> the spaghettios have kicked in, gentlemen. There you are. Now, that's awesome, though. I like. I, I enjoyed watching um, Werewolf this past week play Sonic CD because I, I again I had zero exposure to anything on the Sega CD. Never had it, and uh, so to go back and see that really what I took away from it just at a cursory glance was this is the most gorgeous Sonic I've seen, you know, in a while. And, I uh, definitely think I. I just want to insert there. I definitely think it had a lot more sprite animation mm-hmm. than the other Sonic games on the Genesis because it had the space for it. 
Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. No, no, but I mean, that's kind of what we said earlier was, as beautiful as it was, a lot of it was kind of like retreading familiar ground. There was not a lot of improvement upon the playability, but, you know, taking it that extra level with the past uh, influencing the future, to me, that's, that's pretty dope. I like it. But I also want to agree with you as well that the difference for me between 2 and CD gameplay-wise was that I got incredibly lost playing Sonic CD. I almost never knew where to go, especially in the future levels, just like yourself. Whereas 2 was more straightforward, you always knew where to go. There may have been multiple pathways, but I still knew where to go. CD was very confusing for me. Yeah, I do I do think Sega or Sonic CD leaned in just a little too hard on level exploration. Right. And it goes back to like where the best parts for me in Sonic is when you go fast and less the platforming slower elements. Yeah, and Sonic CD definitely had some points where platforming was not only required but you were heavily punished if you didn't succeed. Right, like you hit an enemy and you lose your rings, but you can pick them up again. Or you do the platforming elements where you miss a jump and you die. <laughs> like... Yes. Or not just that, but, you know, in a lot of cases in Sonic CD, if you missed a jump, it's not that you'd die, you'd just be sent back to where you were about 30 seconds ago. And so you'd have to wait and do all the time topping again. And usually if you fell once, it was probably pretty easy to fall again. So you were losing time repeatedly. Let's let's talk about the special stages a little bit in Sonic CD. That's that's a big divergence from Sonic 2. In Sonic CD, they were essentially levels where you were running around in, you know, for lack of clarity because I don't know what they called it on the Sega CD, it looked like Mode 7 on Super Nintendo. Sonic was running around jumping and smashing UFOs. And hopefully you did it in time, because every time you stepped in the water, you lost about 10 seconds of your clock. Am I the only one who thinks that those levels were hot garbage? (laughs) Because I hated those. (laughs) I liked them, but they're extraordinarily frustrating, because it's hard to tell the depth of sprites that change size. Yeah. And it was bad enough trying to avoid things in Mario Kart going fast. In Sonic you get speed shoes that make you go even faster. And if you miss a jump, you land in water that eats up your time. (laughs) It was a cool idea, but the execution was a little bad. It's just that when I look at Sonic 2, and both Sonic 2 and Sonic CD kind of went with the idea that the special stages would have that pseudo 3D effect. But I find it just weird that CD had very flat, Mode 7 style, like you said, 3D effect. Whereas Sonic 2 actually had like a 3D-defined halfpipe that looked more dynamic, to me at least, than Sonic CD's running levels. The interesting thing about that is Sonic 2's special stage, it was pre-recorded, uh, pre-rendered video that they actually scaled the resolution down half the width and half the height to make it fit on the cartridge. Oh, wow. I did not know that. That's, that's actually really impressive. So it it was a long chain of video that you were playing through, is what that was. So it looked more dynamic and felt more dynamic, but it was by definition not at all dynamic. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, I like those levels more than, I think, even Sonic 3. Because Sonic 3 had that globe-style special stages. 2, I, I really impressed with the special stages in 2. 
Sonic 2 did have its share of uh, bad design in those special stages. There were a couple where you'd think you'd have to make a jump for something and you wouldn't know where to land and then a hill would roll over and you'd find out, oh crap, I shouldn't have jumped, I'm landing on spikes. <laughs> it was it was difficulty that was unexpected because it was hidden from view until it was too late. But again, that came in like special stage six or seven stuff like that. Yeah, because that, that's my thing is I don't I don't necessarily consider that a design flaw. I think that's just developers being trolly. And there's a long, well documented history of that, not just in Sonic, but in a number of games. So. I think that's par for course when we talk about, like, you know, it, it leads you to think you're supposed to do this, but then, surprise, surprise, sucker. <laughs> <laughs> I think someone's bitter over Ninja Gaiden 3. Look, okay, all I know is, no, I'm not, I'm not, well, we also talked about Castlevania last week, which is more of the same. So, But I'm just saying, like, design flaws, partially because of the podcast, I've I've gone back and I've kind of redefined some of my definitions of well for example design flaw so i I think that's just people knowing what they were trying to do and uh just executing it so it sucks yeah it's trolly as fuck but i don't know if it's a flaw it's also optional as well right they're optional special stages not required to progress which i think allows a little more freedom to be trolly sure yeah that makes sense true but also when you factor in how forgiving it is the the fact that you can get you can complete all seven special stages before you even encounter the first boss. You have so many opportunities to get those to to win at the special stages throughout the game that if you fail once, yeah, it's frustrating, but it's not gonna ruin your whole experience of the game. You can do it again at the next lamppost, the next checkpoint. That's the thing though with the entirety of Sonic is like that though, where you can have. 150 rings you get hit by anything and the game is like are you about to die but then they're also kind of like nah we're kidding just get one more ring and you're fine like you can play that game forever so long as you have literally anything and even if you have nothing you're still okay so long as you don't get hit with nothing does that make sense yes so the the entirety of the game is kind of like that we're gonna pull the rug out of your feet but then we're gonna replace it pretty quick Now, I do feel like Sonic CD, the special stages in that game are the ultimate troll because not only do you have one attempt to... You you get a minute and a half to kill a set number of UFOs assuming you don't touch the water and you play it slow and steady. Again, not what Sonic is intended to do. (laughs) Gotta go slow. (laughs) If you can play it slow and steady and be patient and actually complete the stage... Awesome. But that's not what your thought process is to do. Your thought process is to go fast and hit the UFO when it looks like you're going to hit it, and then you miss. Well, you need 50 coins. Let's call them rings because that's what they are. You need 50 rings at the end of a stage in Sonic CD in order to go to the special stage. And then it's really easy to screw up and not get one of the time stones because in Sonic CD... They're not Chaos Emeralds, they're Time Stones. I'm pretty sure Sonic doesn't get any superpower in this one. Again, it's it's like a reimagining of Sonic 1 in a lot of ways, and that's just another one of them. It's also really hard to get to the end of a stage with 50 rings. Sometimes it's hard to go 10 seconds with 10 rings. 
the the enemies are just so brutal the traps so brutal and navigating the stages sometimes can be super confusing and you'll end up finding your way into a trap when you didn't mean to boom there goes all your rings and so being able to complete six or seven special stages is hard enough in itself being able to reach six or seven special stages is a whole other challenge yeah i i've never been able to do it i'll tell you that i did it once in sonic cd and i have no idea how because (laughs) i can't anymore age is a terrible terrible thing (laughs) the other aspect i hate is the music of the special stages in sonic cd i think the music is terrible Regardless of soundtracks, which we can talk about. I was about just after. about to mention actually, the uh the soundtrack for Sonic C D is a point of contention for a lot of Sonic C D fans because the North American soundtrack was changed from the Japanese soundtrack. And I don't understand why people live or die by the soundtrack of Sonic C D. Neither one of them is outstanding. They're both okay and not super fitting for a Sonic game. <laughs> Like, they're both bad, to be honest. Now, I I do think I have a, a soft spot. I, I think as we were talking earlier before the podcast, uh, I have a soft spot for the North American soundtrack, but that's because I had the CD for the soundtrack. That was my first CD. My dad had pre-ordered Sonic 3, and it came with a CD with a bunch of Sonic CD music and a few, remix, or, uh, a few orchestral versions of tracks from Sonic Spinball. That's awesome. You know... Being a kid, having not just my first CD, but my first album that was video game music. Like, this blew my mind already. So any chance I had, I took to listen to that CD. And I loved the music on it, and I still do to this day. But it's not particularly Sonic the Hedgehog. I kind of prefer it just as ambient music for when I'm doing stuff. It doesn't make me think Sonic. It makes me think, oh yeah, I dig this song. I will say that Sonic CD's North American soundtrack is probably, to me, more game-like sounding compared to the Japanese version. They really took like a, a dancey, uh, dance-inspired take for the Japanese version of the soundtrack, and they really just went crazy with the sound bites, the sound clips. Like there's there's actual voice lyrics a bit in both of them, but it's really pronounced in the Japanese soundtrack. Like the I don't know. I was saying before the podcast, like I just, I, it's hard for me to grasp the concept of lyrics in video game soundtracks. I've never liked them, I'll, like with a few exceptions. It's hard for me to get into them. I do think it was it. They were both very fitting for musical tastes of the markets at the time, but not particularly video game music sounding. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but the uh, let's let's talk about the the opening and closing songs for both versions because for whatever reason, I think those are all really really good. Yeah, well, I I kind of mentioned that earlier. Like one of my one of my first and only experiences with Sonic was just watching. So really, I listened to it just as much as I could. And and again today, uh, the moment I hear anybody say or sing, you know, Sega. The first thing in my mind is that opening to Sonic 2. Well, the opening in Sonic CD, it it actually had like the animated opening with a song. And in Japan, it was I never remember the the actual name of the song, but most people call it Toot Toot Sonic Warrior because that's a lyric that's repeated often. 
<laughs> yeah, it's it's heavy on the English, unfortunately. It's weird. In North America, it was Sonic Boom. Again, these are both very much musical stylings of their time. I kind of really enjoy both of them, and I get if other people don't, that's fine. But I like both of them. I don't know, I just, I don't think one is particularly better than the other. I do like the intros and the end game music for both soundtracks. I think that's probably the strongest tracks for both, both American and Japanese uh, OSTs. It's, I don't know, it, 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 but they are very, overall the soundtracks are very busy. They're very expanded. Like you can tell this is not your 16-bit era, you know, soundtracks. Like you said before, it's streamed straight from a CD and it sounds like a stream from a CD. It does not sound like a video game soundtrack that we're used to hearing. Oh, yeah, and I think that's what they were going for, at least for the North American soundtrack. It diverged a lot of ways from what we thought of as game music, and I think that was purposeful. I think it's the quadratic zone that broke up the guitar, electric guitar, on the North American soundtrack, and it's actually pretty awesome there. So it has some that are bangers, just a lot of it, though, I find is very weak. Yeah, and I kind of feel that way about uh, both versions, actually, both versions of the soundtrack. There, there's some really standout tracks in both the Japanese and North American soundtracks, and then a lot of them are just kind of eh. Could could go without either one. Doesn't matter. <laughs> well, we're mentioning the uh, the ending music. Do you mind if we talk about the ending to both games, Sonic Two and Sonic CD overall? Sure. So, like, I, I, Sonic Two, for those who haven't played it in a while, the ending, the last stage is extremely difficult, or at least I found it to be. But it was neat because you're kind of boarding uh, Eggman or Robotnik's ship. And then you have this, you know, a small battle with Metal Sonic. And then you kind of have to hang on to the ship as it rises up uh, into the atmosphere, I guess. And then you go inside and you fight a giant Robotnik robot. It's actually a very fun, epic, I think, encounter. Oh, yeah. When you flip over to Sonic CD, though, I was watching them play just before this podcast. I didn't even realize that the last boss was actually the last boss. He looks like your typical end-stage Robotnik. I mean, outside of the the, the soundtrack being a little bit different, it's very anticlimactic. The zone doesn't look, you know, scary at all. It it doesn't look like you're in an epic stage battle. You're not on a spaceship like you are in Sonic 2. And, like, it's a weird... It's like they're missing the final level to me in Sonic CD. Now, this will be a tell to how memorable Sonic CD is in a lot of ways, I played it three days ago. What was the last boss of that game again? <laughs> exactly. So it's the uh, Robotnik, and he had um, four square. It's like a propeller around him, I guess. And he would spin around and come at you, and it seemed very difficult to dodge. Uh, there'd be like a small gap between the propellers. And then at some point in the stage, he shoots off those squares at Sonic. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that doesn't seem very final boss. Yeah. And, like, if you get the good future on that stage... This is a metallic madness zone, I believe it's called. If you have the good future, it's the palette is more bright and cheerful than the other, the, the dark future ones. So again, it doesn't seem like the ending battleground for a Sonic game. Well, yeah, and I think that's uh, partly by design in a lot of ways. Uh, when you come on to the boss fight for any of the zones in the good future, it all seems not quite right. Like the first fight with robotnik in the first area which honestly that first boss is probably more final boss like than the final boss because it reminds me a lot of the final boss from sonic 2 it's a big egg robo robot kind of just instead of a big giant Eggman, it's 
he's riding in this robot. But the, it's essentially a very similar design to the final boss of Sonic 2. But it's it's dark gray and red normally. But if you get the good future, it's pink. That's one of the other problems I had with the game overall, I think, is I don't find the zones in Sonic CD very memorable. Whereas Sonic 2, I can kind of pick out my favorites. I mean, it had some drab ones. But Sonic CD, because of the, the time travel mechanic, a lot of the, future, the bad future levels are all that same gray, blue palette. And they yeah, kind of blend or in brown. too much. Yeah, or brown, yeah. Sorry, quartz quadrant tiles, I think it was, especially. It was like this weird green tile set. And it was extremely busy. And I find it off-putting. It was really confusing to find where the elements blend to each other because of the, the, the more intricate patterns. So Sonic City looks better, technically, but the backgrounds for me just, just meshed one into the other one. The only zone I found distinctive was, I think, the Star Highway one, the one with the, the French horns as part of the level design. That, oh, yeah, Stardust Speedway. That's the one. That one I liked, but the rest seemed too similar to each other for me to like. The, the one that stands out the most for me, and this is getting very specific, is uh, I want to say Wacky Workbench. The Good Future was a very sterile white with a blue sky and horizon and all that. And it stands out so much from either its past, present, or bad future. Yeah. It feels so different and very out of place. But again, I think that's what they were going for with the Good Future. Because for whatever reason, even though Robotnik didn't still have his foothold, it still became very technologically advanced but clean instead of polluted. I don't understand what they were trying to convey there. It's like he got a unionize or something, or he turned into Apple. <laughs> it's the Apple future versus the Microsoft future. Yeah. <laughs> Sonic done goofed. He got Windows. He saved the day. He got the app Mac OS taken over. So uh, I do think it's safe to say that for me personally, I think Sonic 2 is so much better than Sonic CD. For everything Sonic CD did that blew other Sonic games out of the water and still a standout game in some ways to this day, I think Sonic 2 is probably uh, the most iconic and true to what Sonic the Hedgehog was supposed to be as a franchise. I think that's really cool for, you know, to look back on it and say that. I mean, you know, we had a technical, uh, te- technological... <laughs> restrictions with uh genesis you know compared to sega cd you could do a whole lot more on sega cd but it's like they tried so hard to make it more that it fell flat and so you look back at two and say what have we changed so i think it's cool that two becomes more of the staple and it 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 kind of sets the tone for the rest of it especially when you consider sonic cd had about an it, it probably had an additional six months of development time, if not more. Yeah, so that's that's even more like hammering at home, even more for me because, you know, <laughs> they, it's not a lack of effort that was put into it. It's just you know, let's see what we can do. Let's see what we can get away with. So I, you know, less is more in this case, I guess, for Sonic Two because you know it's more, I guess you'd say tighter of a game. It's more Sonic, you know, it, it it's just done better really yeah yeah I, I i agree i think sonic 2 i don't know about less is more but um or maybe, maybe i agree with that completely but it, another way of saying that is it is greater than the sum of its parts like that game for what it was um had no business being as good as it ended up being 
and not only as a Sonic sequel, but it redefined and became the, the staple for what a Sonic game should be. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, I'll, I'm going to agree as well. I think Sonic 2 is the better game overall, even though it has a trash panda of a character in Tails. I think <laughs> Sonic CD is, again, we know it's technically better, but like I said, the graphics are just too busy. Even though it has more parallax scrolling in the background, it's too, it doesn't fit the series to me, right? Like for me, the pinnacle of the series is always going to be Sonic 3 with Knuckles, and 2 seems more in that style. Sonic CD kind of drifted apart too far from the series and what it was doing. And like, it's a technical achievement for sure, because it's such a bigger game in terms of the level design, the multiple futures, it's bigger. I could see why it took longer to develop or what they did with that time. But Sonic 2 is just much more cleaner, tighter game with a better narrative. The The only thing I really like about Sonic CD, honestly, is those stupid intro and ending movies. And that's that's just animation done by Toei, yeah. who actually did Dragon Ball, right? And Sonic looked a little weird in those. Not bad, yeah. just a little weird. <laughs> not like live-action Sonic weird. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Let's not open that, that, that can of worms there. <laughs> Speaking of... Uh... Trash pandas of characters and unusual things about a game. Uh, let's let's real quick. I'd just like to address a few thoughts I had over this week. Amy Rose is a character who first appeared in Sonic CD, who proclaimed herself as Sonic's girlfriend. Whenever Sonic would stand next to her, she'd run over to him and hug his sprite. Really cute. But in every single rendition of Sonic. She's always seemed as like a pest and not actually his girlfriend. She's just constantly following him, fawning over him and all that. And it's still going on. But if the roles were reversed and it was a guy doing that to a girl, it would be creepy as hell. Nobody would be okay with this. But we're all okay with... Are you with... alluding to my high school experience? <laughs> Stop that. But we're all okay with it. With Amy Rose doing this to Sonic just because she's pink, a girl, and cutesy. I don't know. I've been single so long. It doesn't matter now. <laughs> but doesn't doesn't Sonic seem like that kind of character who would just constantly have somebody, quote-unquote, like, on his hook? Like, yeah, maybe. Keep following me around. Maybe maybe I'll reciprocate someday. That's true, you know? too. The type that I'd carry three cell phones, for sure. One for his family, <laughs> one for his girlfriend, one for his other girlfriend. I can see them. Sonic's going to go fast. He's a player. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh my God. He's, he's a jerk. Like uh, Sonic's, uh, Sonic has always been an asshole. Let's be honest. That's what Sonic and Sega designed him to be, is a jerk. And, and now for the controversial takeaway of this episode. <laughs> I think the time travel thing, while really cool, it would probably be better served in a Mario game. Oh, really? Actually, no, I agree with you completely there. Just because you would get a better chance to actually platform and explore. Sonic was about moving fast. He was inherently, he had low traction, high speed, platforming was difficult. When the idea is to make levels alter and change based on the time frame and whether the future is good or not, it sort of lends itself more to platforming than high speed. Otherwise, it just becomes a different colored set piece. Yeah, I, I really agree with you on that. Because, I mean, Sonic for me, like you get a lot of you know, bells and whistles. You get you know, flying around up and down all over the place. But it is fairly linear and, you know, for a good point. You know, you, you have to go forward 
as opposed to left to right, but the journey is different, you know, like the platforming element of Super Mario. So I even said it right. So, yeah, I, I agree with you completely for that because it's just, you know, you're going to be going fast either way. So the palette changes are not really going to be a big issue for you. You know, it, at least in my mind, you know, it, it makes more sense to do it where you actually have to platform more. Yeah. The the change in the sprite set didn't really affect much when it came to coloration in that game. It just you got different, more appealing colorations. And in a lot of cases, the uh the past usually had the best, most interesting color palette. Yeah, I agree by far. Like we said, the future is all gray and blue and it's very indistinguishable stage to stage, but the past ones were the original character of each level kind of was reflected. All right, so we can go ahead and stop bashing Sonic CD, I think. We've we've come to a consensus that <laughs> Sonic 2 is probably the better game. I think Sonic CD is worth playing at least once, but don't set your hopes too high. Go into it expecting a decent Sonic the Hedgehog experience, but an early Sonic the Hedgehog experience. So with all that said, I think it's safe to uh, go ahead and end this episode. This has been Sonic 2 and Sonic CD on Press B to Cancel. Let's go ahead and uh, go around the table one more time and let the folks know where they where we can be found. I am Werewolf. You can find me on Twitch or Twitter, uh, W-A-R-E-W-U-L-F-F. And then we have Sick Jake. That's me. When I'm not in therapy, I can be found on Twitter, and I'm occasionally on Twitch. Sick Jake, no K and sick. And then we have Pulsh. Uh, you can usually find me in the retro therapy, not because it's my channel, but just because I'm always there. Uh, <laughs> so, but if you want, check me out at Pulsh109, P A L S H 109, over on Twitch. And then let's uh, go ahead and sign out GP. Uh, yeah, this is Guy Prime with the retro therapy. You can find the retro therapy on Twitch, uh, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, I think that's all of it. Where your local grocers are sold? Yes. Maybe not there. I like it. No. All right, folks. We're growing. We won't see you, but you'll hear us again next week. Have a good one, all. <laughs> Special thanks for music. Go to Arthur the Ancient, found on SoundCloud, or The Last Ancient on YouTube. For more episodes, please visit our website, pressbdecancel.com. As well, feel free to like or subscribe at Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else you like to listen to your favorite shows. As always, thank you. This has been... Press B to cancel. <laughs>